so we ask ourselves, will our actions echo across the centuries? Longhouse, as always, with Buddy. Hello. There's always such a long pause, but like, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll say, "All right, I'm gonna start," and then I go in and I say it, and then I say the other person's name, and there's always like a very long pause, and then they say something. But it's <laughs> get put on the spot. <laughs> it's like when somebody says, "Oh, you're funny. Tell me a joke," and you're like, "Uh, uh, uh." <laughs> but uh, before we started, I just wanted to mention that uh, we have a sponsorship now. Um, it's the website Americana Pipe Dream. Uh, so they reached out to us, and to be honest, before they had really reached out, I had really gone on their site. Um, I had seen stuff like on Instagram and I followed them already, but, uh, I ended up going on their site and finding that they had actually a lot of really good stuff. Um, especially a lot of different manuals and books and all that. So I went and I ordered a handful of books and some other small things, but yeah, it was pretty cool to see that they had, you know, relevant things for what this podcast is and not just, you know, like old moldy Serbian jackets or something. Right. It's actually nice to find like a seer manual instead of yeah. <laughs> some asbestos gas mask. <laughs> Gotta get the Russian cancer night vision. Unreal. But uh yeah, if um if you're looking for surplus, if you go on there, you can use uh the code Longhouse and get ten percent off your order. So um but speaking of ordering and buying stuff, um we're going to start going into a multi-part series on logistics. So this episode, we're going to start talking about supply and, you know, all of these topics are extremely deep and we could talk about each one of these like subcategories for hours easily, but we're going to try to keep each one relatively short um, just for ease of listening and just to kind of scratch that, scratch that itch and let you go down deeper because that's kind of the other thing too, is that we don't, we're not necessarily about handing you all the information because one, what is relevant to me isn't always going to be relevant to buddy and what's relevant to both of us might not be relevant to somebody on the other, other side of the country or another country or whatever. So usually that's kind of our thing is that we'll, we'll talk about the surface level, get into it a little bit just to kind of plant that seed and then let the autism of everybody who listens to this go and take over and go figure it out <laughs> on their own. What's, what's best for them. So. Right. But yeah. So one thing that we were talking about with uh supply, like right before this actually was, uh, um, you know, about ordering stuff internationally. And if you, so, for example, right now, with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine and all that stuff, um, you know, if, you're, if your SOP for your uh, uniforms or something like that is um, like ATAX, well, you know, you're not going to be able to get ATAX FG 
relatively easily anymore, especially once more sanctions get put on and all that stuff. Uh, Zenico furniture, you know, anything that you're getting from Russia. So, like, I know a lot of people talk about, like, oh, you know, we're going to standardize this thing, and it's usually something fucking weird. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you can get a ton of them on Gray Shop easily. It's like, okay, that's cool. But as soon as international shipping is not available and you need to replace items or you get new guys that need to buy items, you're, you're shit out of luck. And then you're going to start breaking that uniformity. Right. And as it is with like Gray Shop and stuff, everything has to go through like Russian Post and then it get accepted by customs. And a lot of people now are experiencing like return to sender notices from customs. And if it's not going to get any better, like let's like, even if there are not sanctions placed on stuff like clothing or whatever, or just general items coming out of Russia, you're still going to experience a lot of issue with customs because their SOPs are going to change as they always do when accepting, you know, post items from XYZ countries. Yeah. And something too is that uh, when a couple of years ago uh, in 2020, it's weird to say a couple of years ago and then followed up by 2020. Um, yeah. When I was I was trying to get a set of uh, UF Pros in Flectarn, and I went to order them, and they didn't have any in stock on their website, and so then I went to this. Uh, this website that was based out of the U S and like Utah or some shit. And I went to order some cause it said that they had them in stock and I waited a couple of weeks, didn't hear like a shipping notification or anything. Messaged them was like, Hey, are these going to ship or what? And they're like, Oh yeah, sorry. They're on back order right now until we're able to get more. And I was like, do you know when that'll be? They're like, no, it, w- it probably will be in a couple months, like two or three months. I'm like, okay, cancel the order. Wait two or three months email them back. Hey, do you guys have these in stock? Some lady said yes. And then I ordered some and then same thing, like a week or week and a half later, nothing had shipped. I emailed them. And then the, the owner was like, the owner responded to the emails. Like, yeah, I don't know why somebody said that we had them in stock. Cause we definitely don't. We're running into supply chain issues, getting them because of COVID restrictions and everything in Europe is pretty much shut down. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics of covid but we all know how uh how serious it is right so if something that <laughs> serious can shut down supply lines across europe because i know too that like a lot of these companies for stuff like that they get their stuff they have to use approved fabric because they're su- they're supplying contracts so right if the fabric that comes from germany doesn't get to poland or slovenia or whatever other country the uk (laughs) and then they're able to make it because they you know if they have labor shortages or anything going on um they're gonna have trouble with that so then they have to manufacture it and then they have to be able to ship it across the ocean to you so that's kind of my biggest thing against standardizing uh like european gear and camouflage patterns and stuff I mean, unless you can say, yeah, right now we're going to standardize this and you can buy, you know, 20, 30 sets in varying sizes and multiples of each size. 
and just stack it deep, then it's it's really not going to it's not going to fare well as soon as things start getting serious cuz I mean right now even you know right now but I mean think of like 2019 2019 was kind of peak you could get anything international you could get anything super cheap anything like in the gun world was super easy to get everything was always mm-hmm. in stock everything would you know you could order internationally and it would arrive on your doorstep within a couple of days cuz DHL handles shit like it's illegal and <laughs> no shit, dude. Dude, DHL like, yeah, they 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 definitely move stuff. Oh yeah, like I don't know what any, I don't know what everyone's problem is with Gray Shop or like customs period. Because anytime I order something from them, it's here like no shit three days later. But like talking about international too, like even Conus, we've ex- like look at look at ammo and look at nylon. Mm-hmm. Like it can still affect. It still affects you here because these U.S. companies are getting their supply of materials from different countries, and you know there, it, there's like it, something stupid could happen today, like another freight liner getting stuck in a in a canal somewhere. <laughs> you know, there, we, we've we've been given we've been given like five extremely large scale examples of, of why logistics are important and why they need to be handled like yesterday. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're getting into uniformity, if you're getting into standardizing and creating SOPs for whatever reason, whether it's for an agency or just a group of guys, um, needs to be sat down and talked about like today and you need to go forward now with how, with how the climate is, with supply getting just a little bit better, because um, I would say that supply is a little bit better now. While prices are still very high on a lot of stuff, it's only going to get. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. And it always only get gets better. worse. Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's never gotten better. It's been getting worse and worse and worse, whether it's a slow boil or they just threw you in the fire like we saw in 2020 to 21. Yeah, that was crazy, too, because like winter toward the end of 2019, like fall, I mean, that's when me and, you know, a lot of the other guys that we know started really getting together and shooting and training and all that stuff. And like it was like, oh, this is perfect. And we would just go and just dump rounds and it wasn't a big deal. And anything that we wanted, we could get. And then a couple months later in 2020 was when everything just started shutting down. And we were even afraid. Well, we weren't afraid, but we were concerned with uh, even going out of state to, to train. Cause you know, we have, we're kind of spread out across a couple states. So they were saying that, you know, there's travel restrictions inside the country and that if you're outside of it, you get caught with all this, you know, if you get caught, you get fined all the shit, which fines just mean that it, it's legal for the right price. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, we were like, okay, what are we going to do once we go down and, or, you know, we have guys come up or whatever the case is and they get pulled over because they have out of state plates. What's you know, we had to, we had to make considerations. What's our excuse? What's our way to get out of it? Cause it's not going to stop us. Right. If, if a little tiny bit of 
not serious adversity stops you from training, then you're not going to make it. Then you don't need to be in it. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to be in this game at all. That, well, yeah. And that, that kind of goes down to like the mindset of a lot of people here lately. It seems like, you know, we see every, every fall of a warrior class ends up in like their weapons and, and gear or whatever being a fashion statement or a status symbol. And that's more relevant now in this quote community than ever. Um, and it's compounded by like hype beast culture and, and drops and whatever, and, and things being limited runs. Um, but you need to set up like, this isn't a fashion show, right? Like this is real life. If you're in this game, you need to take it seriously and you need to standardize things. You need to have SOP to have, if you run a uniform for IFF or whatever, you need to sit down and say, okay, this is XYZ pattern we're, we're going to be using or just X pattern. And this is the shit we're going to use. So let's get it now that way we can like stack it up because maintenance for like logistically maintenance should never be repairing like your, your, your one piece of kit. Cause you were only able to get this one obscure <laughs> like dot 44 uniform made from some guy overseas. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, th and that's another huge thing, too, is that, you know, we, so with my group of guys, like, we had, we had changed the standard for what pattern we were going to use a couple times, and it was always because the, the main considerations were how much of this can we get, and can we get a variety of different cuts for different prices, because some guys can't spend, you know, the money on, on, cries or whatever um or and and the guys that can spend the money do want to because i mean let's be honest like running running cries is a little bit more comfortable than running some basic bitch Any like BDU proper cut. bdus yeah. yeah so you know what what variety of cuts can we get what's what's the price how available is it you know is there 10 20 different manufacturers that we can get it from ideally can you go into a surplus store and get it and then the, yeah. another huge thing was was for IFF. So we don't want to necessarily just go with something like Multicam because, or M81 even because everybody uses it. So it was kind of that that balancing act to try to find everything. And, and we would get something and then we'd test it out a little bit and we'd determine that there was something that we could get that was easier to obtain um, for a little bit cheaper. And, you know, there's more of a variety you can get and all that stuff. And so... One that was one of the things too was that we would we would like have something, and then somebody would be like, "Oh, I don't really like that," and then we'd be like, "Okay, well, yeah, what do you God. like?" And they'd be like, "I like this," and you'd be like, "All right, if everyone's cool with it, I guess we can switch." But like that's looking back, that's not the right attitude to have. the The right attitude right. is this is what we're doing because this is what we've determined is the best through purchasing it, seeing how easy it is to obtain and then testing it in both the visible and the IR spectrum. And then if you don't like it, don't come out. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of the mentality that you need to have. And, you know, there's going to be a certain point where you can't, you can't be as stringent on who you're picking up just because things are like bad, bad. But I mean, right now things are getting worse. We, we all know that they are, but you can still, you can still tell guys no, um, and that's 
and you should yeah yeah because the, the the thing too is that you can do it in a way that sets sets a point like if somebody's like oh i don't want to run that i think that that's ugly okay don't invite them and then when they see that everybody went and hung out and they're like hey how come you know you didn't tell me you'd be like well you know i didn't think that you wanted to come because you don't want to do what we have to do so and yeah like uniformity is is more than just hey we're all wearing the same thing because looks hard like (laughs) there's right yeah uniformity goes down to all the way down to your group being on the same page like yeah because if you can't if you can't be anything dude be on the same page and whether you like it or not these are like paramilitary actions and should be handled as such with a chain of command you know and if like you as a guy who's trying to get a group together has a problem with telling someone no, then it, it is what it is, dude. Like you're just, you're, you're not a, a, a natural leader or whatever. You can learn to become one. But at the end of the day, if, if you're not able to be assertive in a positive way, like you should like, oh, you're an idiot because you're calling this thing ugly, blah, 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 blah. You shouldn't harp on guys like in, an, in a negative tone. Like, explain to them, hey, this is why we're doing this, blah, 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 blah. Because usually that's what, what what helps. Like, just saying, this is the way it is. Don't 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 question me. Like, that's not a good leader. That's just a boss. Yeah. Right? Like, you should absolutely explain to your guys. Especially, like, if you plan on, like, fighting next to these people and them potentially being responsible for the care of your wife and child, for example, if you inevitably succumb to, you know, gunshot wounds, exposure, whatever, uh, you know, you need to be comfortable with telling these people certain things, and no is definitely one of them. Yep. Yeah, and that's and the the thing too that is super important with that is being able to tell the guys why. So, you know, having having a small group of dudes and trying to come up with standards or whatever, and somebody says like, oh. You know, this fucking, I don't know, Norwegian camouflage looks like it'd work really good. And you can buy it off of Arctis and these, like, British websites or, you know, international Europe European websites. You have to be able to tell them no and explain why. And, right. you know, saying no because it's going to be hard to get and all this other stuff. I mean, you got to lay it out. And if they don't like it or they don't agree or, you know, they want to use it just because it's, unique or you know you don't see it that much or you know because i'm sure that it it does look like it works good but i mean you don't see it here that often at all and it's for a reason like it's it's not easy to obtain here and if you can't obtain it like you're very limited so it doesn't make sense to do something like that um and with that being said with that being said going off of what you said in the beginning what applies to us may not apply to you also applies to you know we just said we don't like we basically just said we don't like bdu cuts and that's from experience you know you may be different you might be totally comfortable with bdu cuts and your guys might be totally comfortable with bdu cuts and if anything that's a blessing because of how <laughs> yeah honestly i feel of, spoiled of that yeah and if like we get wrapped around the axle a lot with the top like and this is for some reason a, a niche subtopic of of a lot of different stuff whether it's iff whether it's you know, organizing, blah, 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 blah. Whatever topic it is, it usually gets brought up that, um, like, quote, I don't want to use M81 because 
XYZ group militia pee pee poo poo might be using it and I don't want to get my guys confused with these guys but at the same time if you're confusing your guys for other guys that just shows a lack of training that just shows a lack of of unit cohesion mm-hmm. you know because if your guys are getting lost like bounding and assaulting and you get confused which fog of war is real um, tunnel vision is real blah 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 then that, that just shows lack of lack of unit cohesion yeah and it's so if if all you can get is bdu woodland then do it it's it's nothing to be ashamed of like if that's what you can afford like everyone should be able to do this there's there's no excuse anymore and there hasn't been for a very long time yeah i'll I'll also go out and say that if if you get somebody on board and they can't save up eighty dollars for a set of new uniforms that aren't surplus that haven't been washed with fucking you know bleach and that glow like a christmas tree under ir if you can't get somebody that's willing to commit 80 bucks to match they're already not about it and they're already not worth trying to like influence because every every single time that you say hey you need to buy this they're gonna say okay next paycheck and it's never gonna happen and then you're gonna say oh i just bought they're going to say, oh, I just bought this new piece of gear, this, uh, you know, new gun that they didn't need. And you're like, oh, well, what about, you know, matching us? You know, you're always going to run into that problem with certain types of people. And it's just not even worth trying to trying to work with them, to be honest. But yeah. one thing I will say, too, about what you said is that it's extremely difficult and damn near impossible in a lot of regards to mimic um like that tunnel vision and that stress and all that um you can do stress-based shooting techniques that you can get close to like the the stress of combat and stuff but really like until you're doing it you're not really going to be able to have any say in what it's like or know what the effects are going to be or anything like that but um i i would say that the the biggest thing is like being able to determine who's who after you're sleep deprived and stressed and all that stuff. Something that I always uh, kind of imagine is if you're going through a building and you don't know the layout of the building because it's brand new to you and you're going to clear it out because you want to stay there for the night because you haven't slept in two or three days um, and you're going around and somebody comes around the corner, like you oh want to make God. sure that you can easily dis- determine whether some dude coming around the corner with, with a gun and gear is one of your friendlies or not. Um, and that's why like using IFF and macro, uh, like, you know, a uniform for IFF and macro, uh, methods is going to be a little bit better for that. Um, you know, at the same time, you should be close enough to your guys to where when you hear somebody cough, you know exactly who it is just by the way that it sounds. Um, that's, that's always the goal. But another thing too, is that we need to know how, we need to be mindful on how if you are discovered by people of the public, how they're going to um, associate you. So if in your area, you know that there's tons of different militias and groups that are not like beneficial to the community and you look exactly like them and you get discovered or found or seen or whatever, they're going to think that it's that group. So just, you know, be mindful of that. At the same time, you know, if yeah. you're if you're good enough, just don't be discovered when you don't want to. 
or if that's the only thing that you can work with because of, you know, supply to your area and budgetary restrictions and stuff is the same thing that they're running. I mean, just fucking do it. Like, there's a certain point where, where you're overthinking it. And I'm probably like causing <laughs> overthinking just by saying these points, but because it's probably overthinking it. But yeah, that's another thing too. Because y'all, you and Geo mentioned, uh, you and Op Four mentioned, like just like if you're gonna go out and kit, don't be weird. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that too plays into a big role, which is a whole other a whole nother puddle that can turn into an ocean. That's the topic of like soft power. So like if you have a group of dudes and you're able to go out in the community and, and do XYZ things, connections, you've, you've then ex- extended like your, your soft power to these other people who might end up providing you with safe houses, whether it's a safe house for stuff logistically, like all this gear that you're accumulating that you might need later. Uh, or leaving them letting you cache stuff on their property or literally housing you as, you know, like if you're on the run or something, or if you just need a place to stay and eat on your way through. And so I think logistically having, having that is huge because instead of having to, you know, plot different caches on, a route to go to whatever you know whatever site you need to go to whether it's like a cabin or whatever or if you have contingency routes because a bridge got knocked out or something and you still have caches over there it's much better to have it on someone else's property or dry inside and not getting eaten by by bugs and stuff well but you can double end PVC this thing in the ground. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because tectonic plates don't exist or anything. And people haven't discovered their own caches missing or destroyed. That's, that's actually the trick is when you are just like completely zoned out, just tell people that you're thinking about tectonic plates. But... Yeah. I do it all the time. <laughs> you, you okay? Yeah. Sorry, man. I was just thinking about tectonic plates. Yeah. Dude, the earth is not perfectly round. And it moves. And there's people inside of it. <sighs> Gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's good points. And like, you know, we we were talking before me and me and Op Four. Like, we were talking last episode about how, uh, you know, not not everybody that you're gonna bring into your community or tribe or whatever you want to call it is gonna be like that guy that just like you know runs across the street, kicks open a door and kills everybody inside. You're going to have people that are just solely there for information and storing some things and all that stuff. So there's, there's a good chance that that unsuspecting old guy has room in his house for, you know, you to stack food and gear and all that. And I mean, look at throughout, uh, throughout the different wars that we've been in with, you know, Vietnam, for example, they would go into villages and, uncover secret caches with tons and tons of food and weapons and ammo and stuff and they'd like stick it under some fucking old lady's bed because you're not going to expe- expect that that old lady is like running through the jungle at the vc like fucking stabbing people <laughs> yeah i mean it's true and there's a ton of older older individuals who have stacked up ammo over the past 
you know, two decades they've been into guns and stuff and they're not going to use it. But if mm-hmm. you provide them with a service, whether that's security or, or you know, whatever, they're probably going to make a deal and then boom, you've got ammo. Yeah. Cause and... you're not going to get supply drops and I'd highly doubt if anything were to happen, you're going to get foreign aid. Yeah. I mean the, the absolute, I would say that, I would say that it wouldn't be completely unlikely that if something big happened in the U.S. and there was a large-scale collapse and, and all that, and there was, like, you know, balkanization or anything like that, that I'm, I'm sure that it would be likely that a country like China or something like that would hop in on the opportunity. But you got to think, too, what's what would actually be worse? Like, China being in charge of us or, you know... I mean, I, like, at the same time, you could say, like, no... no no China man ever got mad at me for saying that like tea is racist or something, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't want a fucking social credit score either. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be more inclined to just take and not reciprocate anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is that throughout history, once when, when you have like that instance of, you know, different people than the population running them, like they're not, they're not going to care as much. So like the, if, if China swoops in and they like just completely decimate everything and take over, like it's, it's not going to be that great for us to be honest. I mean, is it great now? No, but I don't know. That's, that's a different topic for a different day though. Yeah. That's another thing that's been unfortunately a blessing in these past few years is we've had a ton of examples to study and a lot of it, like, for example, right now with the Ukraine situation, a lot of people are nervous about war or something instead of looking at it as an opportunity to study, study it for what it is and how it could directly mirror something go- that goes on here. Because like, I'm not going to just I'm not going to get into the history of Ukraine and, and why Russia should have it over NATO as they should. Um, but like, without res- without resistance, it, they they should just take it because it's theirs anyway. Um, but yeah, it's these are all learning opportunities, and if you can like get past the, the fear mongering for a minute and sit back and actually study what's going on, you know, you you probably see a lot of those same things play out here, and that go, you'd be like less surprised. Yeah, the elephant. You know I mean? And right now, I would say that the most relevant thing that we have to study is like the Spanish Civil War in the 30s. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the most relevant thing, just because of the way that it started and kicked off and the way that the factions came about and then how there was like, I, I always think of like, uh, like there was a meme that I'd seen like a while ago and it was, it's, it's an it's not an uncommon format, but uh, basically, like, two people fighting and, like, one retard in the corner, like, eating glue. And it was, like, talking <laughs> about the Spanish Civil War, about how you had, like, the left and the right essentially fighting. Like, the revolutionaries and the reactionaries fighting. And then in the corner, it was, like, the libertarians eating glue. Because they had started their own, like, their their own area of uh, Spain. And yeah, <laughs> they were like, alright, this is us now. Like, we don't have money. We don't have anything like this. Like, it's... You know, the, but, the, but we the, out here. Yeah, the pure society, and uh, it ended up just like purity <laughs> spiraling into, uh, like mass starvation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's worse than communism? Uh, 
fastly uprising liberal uh, libertarianism. Mm. Well, it was like, like basically the the uh, the whole thing was like people talking about that stuff was um, like not like anarchist enough or something like that. Like uh, like coffee and oh tobacco God. and chocolate and all that was like uh, like status or it was. It was basically taking like the idea of how communism has the uh, the bourgeoisie and like certain luxury items are only for that class and like you need to go against them and like that's how they were looking at certain things that were utilized by both the reactionaries and the revolutionaries and they were like yeah like that's not that doesn't really have a place here and then like uh, people just ended up killing each other because they'd find out that you had you know that you were still <laughs> drinking coffee and stuff and dude it was crazy but yeah, yeah. anyway it's yeah this isn't this isn't the history channel but yeah there's there's relevant things to study so it's it's important too to see how supply lines are going through to these countries and and obviously you know we can look at ukraine right now and russia and they're getting they like ukraine is getting foreign aid um everybody knows it and whether anybody's willing to admit it i mean there's videos of like Azov dudes pulling out like fucking Tavors and stuff straight out of Israel. So yeah. like they're they're getting foreign aid, whether it's open or undercover or whatever. And I know that like the US had a presence there to train guys and and all that stuff. And you you gotta realize too that Canada they're not did too. Yeah, Canada did too, and they're not they're not going there and training and then leaving without, you know, giving supply to them. So it's it would be interesting to see what uh what countries would come about and try to start their own sort of insurgencies and stuff here i mean cuz that's like the the job of like the us special forces like the green berets is to go into a place and train the the indigenous population on how to fight so every other country has some sort of uh version of that and it would be interesting to see who comes here and does that but unless they're coming here and directly dropping you supply because you're like their number one guy you're you're your own supply yep so i i think that it is kind of funny though like the idea of like oh you know if we ever get into a like a big collapse that Russia would come in and, and all that. And it's like, yeah, so we're just going to redress it all Russian shit. So that way they, they think that we're their friends, but <laughs> they're going to give us free shit. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's just like a, no, but yeah, yeah, that's just a cope. And it's, it's, it's not grounded in reality at all. That's not how it's going to work. I think that a lot of these people just have like weird, uh, fantasies about how it would work Maybe. and they're always like the main <laughs> character yeah main character syndrome like you and Opor were talking about yeah god dude we even see that's the thing man we've been given so many damn examples of like what to look out for and what not to do like even with main character syndrome like we've got like so many videos of people being like what are you gonna do stab me <laughs> Get you're, gonna stabbed. Shoot, you're gonna fucking shoot me I'll take that gun from you yeah. Well, and I think that we were talking about that last episode, but like people think like they don't have they don't have the realistic expectation of how violence is going to happen. 
yeah, dudes will blow your ass away <laughs> in an alley fighting over a mattress in a dumpster, and they'll blow your ass away in front of your wife while she's recording. <laughs> God, that was great. Yeah, and the guy even said, like, what are you going to do, shoot me? Get shot. Yeah. I think that people just watch, like, too many John Wick and Jason Bourne movies and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, I could totally disarm 20 guys at once, not realizing that as soon as... You know, you're fighting off one guy and your back is turned to another. They're just going to fucking conk you over the head. Yeah, I think the most, I think the only thing that's actually based in reality anymore are those memes where it's like showing disarm demonstrations and then someone else trying it and then they boop right to heaven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Detroit urban survival guy where he had that. <laughs> yeah, dust. He, he was like doing that, uh, that demonstration and there was like some Asian dude with a gun pointed at him and he was like gonna disarm the guy and the guy pulled the trigger like three or four times rips off shots yeah yeah and then he was like he was like no 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 you didn't you didn't do it right he goes to try to reset and then the guy just does it again yeah like that is the reality the expectation is that you're just gonna you know kick the gun out of his hand and catch it and dump 40 rounds into his chest and not have to reload but like the reality is that you're just gonna get shot as soon as you flinch yeah, dudes get cut by paper and think that they can do that. <laughs> like, dude, come on, dude. Come on now. Yeah, if you get a paper cut, like, sorry, man, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Not you hard. You realize, like, how fragile you are by now. <laughs> not hard, dude. Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Dust. I've actually taken out a new life insurance policy, but, yeah, check them out. Just kidding, don't. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> dust and uh, paper. But yeah, that's why like God. having SOPs to kind of wrap it back around. Uh, SOPs that are grounded in in how shit actually works are are going to be key. And the thing too is that you know don't don't be afraid to reach out to guys because I mean oftentimes like I would see guys that would have you know cool unique patterns or something like that, and I'd be like, oh, that looks like it'd work pretty well you know, where'd you get it from? They'd be like, Oh, I got it from here, but it's, they're out of stock now and it's really hard to get. And you're like, okay, well I'm not even going to try then. And that's, that's something that you need to realize that like, you know, if, if you're going to increase your efficiency by 10%, but you're never going to be able to get it, like it's not worth it. Just get better at concealing yourself or like come up with alternate ways to have macro IFF. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things too. It's like it it might be abundant like surplus wise, like AR1 for example, but for someone like me, I can't get my size and I'm never ever like I'm a 32 I'm just like I'm medium regular all around. I'm 5'10 and 190 fucking pounds with a 32 inch waist, 32 inch inseam. Okay. I'm gonna like make you in that uh, that like body simulator thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make you get get your measurements for me after this. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not gonna go because like you see 34 regular all the time. You see 36 regular, 34 long, 32 long, and I'm just not gonna do that because I want my shit to fit me, and I don't want to run into complications later on. Like, oh, I've got a 32 inch or 32 inch waist, but I've got these pants that are 34 
to cinch them all the way down, tighten my belt, and now I've got these this crinkled waistline, which is going to chafe and cause further problems. So those, you know, rise I got are now just a hindrance. Yeah, and that that is one thing that does have a really good uh, um, that is a really good point is that like with with the surplus gear you're not always going to be able to just get it in your size you're going to look and look and look and you're going to be searching hard and then you're going to see something that pops up on from one ebay seller that's overpriced and it's going to be in your size and you're going to be like or close to your size and you're gonna be like all right fuck it i'm just going to get it like normally i should be wearing like a 34 long uh i can squeeze into a 32 long but i'll see like 34 regs and i'm like that's close enough. I'll get it. So unless, unless I buy like custom stuff, um, like both at this point, both my AOR one. And then when they arrive, my AOR two pants are coming from Roman Kermaz. And that's the only way I was able to get what I wanted in the right size. And yeah, I mean, he does good work. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, his stuff is, is solid. I would, I would put it on par to the, to the real thing, to be honest, um, from what I've seen so far, but it takes six weeks for him to make it. Cause he's, I mean, he's, a, he's a one man shop. If you want something that's unique, yeah, totally go for it. But he's not, his thing isn't, Oh yeah, I have these in stock. I can ship them, you know, same day or next day. Uh, cause he just, he custom makes everything once you order it. So, yeah, you know, he'll, it'll take six to eight weeks. And then it has to ship from Eastern Europe. Yeah. So. And I mean, fitment goes down, can go to things more than just uniforms. Because if it's not fit properly for whatever reason, you're going to get premature wear. I mean, you can look at tons of examples. Like I've destroyed a couple Spiritus plate carriers because I'm using civilian cut, like 10 by 12s and something that's meant for ESAPIs. Same with. Uh, a JPC 2.0 that I had back in the day got pretty good premature wear on the seam for the plate bag in the back because I was running plates that were larger than what the bag was for. So, I mean, it's just things to consider. You need to have things fit properly because if you don't, you're like I said, premature wear is real. And then that expensive thing you have is just cloth on the ground now. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing too is that uh you know make sure that your gear works together because like JPCs are good carriers. Um I mean I just got a JPC too, but if I was running 10 by 12 cut plates, I I I probably wouldn't be, even be able to fit them. I, honestly, I'm I bought a medium and I put small e-sappies in it and they fit like pretty good. Like they fit snug, so I think that even just putting mediums in there would be uh you definitely have to like spit on the plate before you go to jam it in or something. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one thing too, is that the, the issues that I have with the JPCs before, I mean, to be fair, like I haven't used them long-term, but you see pictures of used ones where the hype line is starting to get all ripped up and stuff. And that was one thing that I did. Like I had a Ronin assaulters light and it was basically a JPC two before the JPC two. Um, and one thing that I liked was that instead of Hypalon, it was using uh, 
Cordura. So that way you can easily repair it if it starts to go out. Like I don't, I don't have the means to repair Hypalon. Right. So that's, and that goes like, that really goes into, you know, the second part because logistics can are broken down into supply maintenance and movement goes right into maintenance, which will probably <laughs> let y'all digest just supply for now. Cause it is supply is a really, really big topic. Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, trying to let dudes give dudes content to like think about. Yeah, on where they need to start because you have to have a starting point. Yeah, this this isn't like an instructional DVD. This is like a we're just two dudes talking about something, and we we it, like the the whole idea of a podcast is just like having having like a online voice chat and then. Being like, oh yeah, this is what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we've both gone through plenty of growing pains over just supply alone. Oh yeah, there's, I mean, we could have a whole another episode about things that I tried that didn't work based on purely supply and just trying to get it. But yeah, maintenance is another big key thing that you know once you once you start getting into the maintenance aspect. It's, you're going to end up like, I, I can guarantee that there's going to be guys that end up getting like another gear creep where they start looking into like all these high-end sewing machines and they start stocking materials and all that, which is good. Like, yeah. honestly, like having somebody who can be like a supply person who can also act as like a, you know, kind of like a seamstress or tailor or whatever you want to call it, that would be, that would be peak. I mean, right now I just take stuff to my mom and ask her to raid mod stuff. Or modify things. Yeah. Which, by That's the way, do with I got, I got true, uh, true spec on Amazon for their medium long tops. They had like BDU tops, and I got one in Tiger Stripe and one in Desert Tiger Stripe for twenty bucks each. I'm gonna raid mod those bitches. Yeah. See, BDU stuff is so cheap. Like, there's no reason to not pick that up. Because that's the thing is that you can get BDU. And then just modify it. And like, I mean, my mom's done a handful now. Like any, any raid mod I've, I've gotten done, I've had her do it. And so she has like the Velcro at home and that's really the only material that you need for it. And she'll have like spare, spare material from cutting things and whatnot. But realistically it takes her not even an hour to cut up some pockets and re-sew them and add velcro if you want it and stuff and it's like you know usually too i'll have her i'll have her do like other modifications too like i'll have her put velcro on the cuff and then instead of a like so instead of a button it has velcro closure and on the pockets i'll have her put a little tab of velcro in the middle of the buttons so that way i can primarily use the velcro but if it's wet i can use the buttons because velcro doesn't really adhere when it's wet that well um, I actually learned that from buying the Navy cut, um, cry fields cause they had buttons with Velcro in the middle. And I was like, I don't understand why. And I was looking it up and that's what everybody said was because, you know, at like Navy custom shit was, a, is a revolved around maritime. So all that, but yeah, I'm yeah. going off topic. The, the main thing is that you can buy stuff and modify it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus around 
like, oh, we can all buy UCP and dye it green, and that can be our standard because you're you're just increasing your supply chain and you're increasing the stuff that it takes to make your standard. Like, you should have something to where you can take it essentially off the shelf and run it, which you can still yeah. you can still buy a BDU top and just throw it on and run it. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it works. It's clothing. The only real thing that you're doing is moving the pockets around. And in that case, like the only real supply that you're adding to it is thread and Velcro if you put Velcro on, but that's something that you can easily stack pretty deep and, you know, hold a lot of and, you know, buy a shit ton of BDUs when they go on sale and are super cheap and, or, you know, you find them on eBay or whatever, and then just modify them as you see fit. Yeah, because you can get three sets of BGU top and bottoms. You can get three uniform sets for the price of one pair of Cry G3s. Yep. Just the pants. Mm-hmm. Just the combat pants. Yeah, I mean, you, I, it, you're looking at just under 300 for Cry combat pants. And, yep. you know, that's new, obviously. That's not buying secondhand or getting, like, a buddy hookup from some guy that got issued them or something like that. But that's just straight up going on... OP tactical or whatever, buying them and then getting them on your porch. So at that point, like, yeah, you can, you can get quite a few sets of BDU top and bottoms. Um, even brand new ones, like brand new proper true spec or whatever you can get. And they're going to be fine. Like durability wise, they're going to work. Um, the only thing that I personally don't like is the way that they fit. Um, I have some gripes with BDU cut in general, like, you know, lack of, articulated knees and a gusseted crotch and uh the pocket layout really isn't that good and they're kind of bulky for what they are and you know other stuff like that but at that point it's just nitpicking items i've i've done cooler stuff wearing bdus than i have you know wearing cries that i bought yeah (laughs) so like it's it's your performance isn't gonna be determined by what pants you have on if you know, it's going to be determined by what you are doing. Your, your pants are literally just there to hold some extra shit and protect you essentially. And, you know, obviously there's the camouflaging aspect and all that shit, but that's the, the purpose of pants isn't to like give you the ability to kill a thousand people with a single trigger pull. Yeah. Like, like if you don't like the fitment of something either, you're probably not going to wear it. So, mm-hmm there's no point in, in buying it if you're just going to go back to running jeans or whatever. So don't get invested in something too deep that you haven't done T&E on, you haven't done any trials with, or you have no experience with just because someone else says it's good. Like, I think I made that mistake with with the LV-119 plate carriers. I absolutely hate them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's one thing, too, is that, uh, you know, be, like, for us when we were going to, uh, when we switched to Tropic like a while ago, I had bought a, a knockoff, uh, shirt and we used it to do some testing and, you know, it, it ended up not being as good as AOR2 in the visible and the IR spectrum. Like AOR2 performs phenomenally under night vision, but, um, you know, it was one of those things where we figured that we'd be able to buy everything new. And that it's more, it's like always has a steady supply, especially because now like 
and it's like naval special warfare and stuff doesn't really use the AOR. Like they're starting to just use multicam. Uh, yep. So we figured it'd be easier, and that was kind of a mistake. And then, yeah, but yeah, we just bought a cheap one that still has the same camouflaging properties. Um, so you're not gonna buy something that that glows like crazy um, from like fucking Indonesia or something. And uh, you know, just test it, and then once you determine that it's good, go ahead and get the get the good stuff. But if you determine that it's not good, I mean, you've only invested forty bucks to figure that out. And a lot of the time too with Amazon is that they're like, if you can get something off Amazon, their return policy is you know, 30 days or whatever, but it's kind of going off topic. Yeah. No, I think that about does it for supply. Then next week we'll cover, we'll cover maintenance next week. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, you, I mean, do you have anything else to add about the kind of the surface scratching of supply? No, I think it all just breaks down to if you're in a leadership role, you need to be on the same page with your guys and give them the, you know, the why. And if y'all can agree on something, make sure that it's easy to get. It's going to be abundant, be easy to to repair and that it works and that you'll actually wear it. Yeah. And I would say too, like, if you're going to talk about the importance of it, um, you know, the, the availability is going to be the most important thing followed by cost followed by effectiveness. Um, you know, obviously like don't buy blaze orange shit. This is not just, it's just not going to work. That's, that's a given. Like if you're, if you're able to get like hunting camo for a good price and it comes in, you know, comfortable and cuts and all that stuff and it works well and you can pick it up anywhere. Like just run it. You know, if you want to buy a fucking custom set for, for fun of like <laughs> real tree fucking cries, like go for it. But yeah, you know that if that's what you are able to use and that's what's available is, is, you know, go for it. Um, you know, it was mentioned too that, I think Geo said it that uh, the problem with hunting camouflage is that it's normally made for you being stationary. Um, yeah. But you know if that's if your mission is mostly just reconnaissance and surveillance, you're gonna be in a stationary position. So you know, it, it, it you don't overthink it too much because I can guarantee you that that there are tons of guys out there that can throw on jeans and a fucking plaid shirt and conceal themselves better than you can with some crazy camouflage pattern like don't overthink it and there's always going to be something better so the more you overthink it yes the worse off you're going to be and that's that's the thing is that every every new thing that comes out if it's a little bit better and you everybody sells their old shit to buy the new shit that's a little bit better like you're just complicating everything and yeah, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, like the the AOR stuff. There, I mean, it's not my favorite pattern. It's not. I don't think that it's like revolutionary. I don't look at it and I go, "Oh, that looks amazing," but it's what's easy to get. We run it. It works, and whatever. Like that's it. So 
that's yep and everybody's got it now so yep. everyone's on the same page and it's easy to say hey pick up this you can buy this set for cheap or you can buy this set if you want to spend some money and you know i think that a lot more companies now are going to start coming out with ppe and gear in those patterns because that's what people want and now they're not working off of military contracts they're working off of what civilians want so i think that we're going to see a big influx of companies making AOR1 and AOR2 pattern stuff for, you know, the normal price. But, you know, if, if, if another pattern comes out and it's like way easier to get and way more affordable and works as well, if not better, then yeah, I'm not opposed to switching because it's just, it's a constant refinement of making sure that when the supply goes to shit, that you're still able to get what you need and replace it or buy material to repair it. Yeah. So, but I think as far as supply goes, that's all we got for this one. So, uh, yeah, next week we'll go into the maintenance. And after that, we're going to go into the movement. Portion. All right, thank you.